And I'm so glad to see you. This is, uh, it is strange, man, when you think about March is coming this week. And uh, spring break is going to be on us um, when we know it. We're about to celebrate an anniversary uh, that a year ago they said we were going to have two weeks of uh, mask wearing and shutdown. And so we're coming up on a year anniversary of that two-week uh, window that was going to be there. But here we are today. And uh, just to kind of, I, I feel like I need to kind of bring you current uh, with some things. Last week, man, Brett did an incredible job. Uh, just the simplicity of John 3.16 and the meat that is there it was incredible. And then the week before, we had ice out. And the week before, we had disciple now week before we did communion, and at the beginning of this year, I started us into a series we're calling All In, and uh, so I got to kind of bring you current because we're going to be in Acts 2, 42 through 47 again as we are all in, and and let me just kind of share with you because some of you are, are wondering, what does All In mean? So uh, I figure all of our poker players in the room would be able to tell us what All In is. So all in is uh, definitely at a poker table when you feel like you have the hands or the possibility of a hand that's going to win everything. So what you do is you take all your chips and you put them in as you are all in on this hand. Uh, everything you got, I can. Uh, there's nothing more I've got to wager. This is me all in at this point. And so when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ, we struggle in this area. We call him Lord, which means owner or manager, but really, we want it on our terms, don't we? We have one leg in the kingdom and one out because we want to pick at any moment what we're going to do, and, and uh, we, we struggle through that. And, but yet, the scriptures, as we read them, it talks about all in, coming all in, that he is worthy, he is greater than, and he is worthy of your life. And we come cashing all in. So what we did is we went back to the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. So let me, some of you are new to the scriptures and, and some of you haven't been around. So let me just kind of tell you what took place. Obviously, Jesus was crucified. He was buried for three days. He rose from the dead. He uh, was on the earth for another 40 days. And then he called his disciples to him and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And he said he would come back. And uh, th then he told his disciples, though, I want you to go and you wait and you pray. So they went and began to pray. They selected somebody to take Judas's place who hung himself. And they came together and there was... But the scripture says 120 people gathered in one accord praying in an upper room and a spirit of the living God came upon them in a mighty wind and, and uh, fire and uh, they were changed. They were transformed. Now Jesus was not somebody out there. Now Jesus, his very spirit was within. And so they, uh, they had prayed. And then what happens is, is Simon Peter, the one that the disciple, the apostle, that had put his foot in his mouth so many times, now under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he stands up and begins to preach. And as he preaches, it's like 
The Bible uses the terminology, they were cut to the heart. It's that deep conviction of what he is saying is actually truth and that we, because of our sin, we have uh, been a part of Jesus' crucifixion and uh, we need him. We need Jesus. And so they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do? And Peter says, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized and you will be saved. And so the, the scripture says this, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ at one time. Now, that's incredible. 3,000. And God did it. And uh, the way I look at it is, have you ever been to a symphony orchestra concert? And you've gone to the concert, and you get there early, and you're sitting in your seat, and you're kind of, you know, you got the different instruments. you got the guy on the timpani over there, and he's uh, figuring out whatever he's listening to. And then you got somebody on a piccolo, or the brass, or the woodwinds, or the violin cello, and they're, they're playing, and it's, it's chaotic uh, at best. And so you're hearing this, and you're thinking, what is going on? And then the conductor walks out, and the conductor walks out. He has in his hand the baton, and he raises that, and everybody comes to that point of ready to work together. And then as they begin to play, it's beautiful music that comes forth. I think that what God did at this time with the Holy Spirit is he filled Peter in such a way that Peter, even though Jesus was the conductor, he was using Peter, and as he spoke, is like God brought all of this together. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works in unity, bringing these people together. And so what happened was, is that now 3,000, that's, how do you, how do you begin to navigate with 3,000 new believers that you can help them? Well, that's when we picked it up in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And so let me read and then, I just want to unpack one particular area of this today. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves. This is a continuation. In other words, they continually devoted. It wasn't a one-time walk-in-aisle commitment. They continued to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And remember, I called this commentary. And the fellowship, the community, to the breaking of bread, communion, and to the prayers, communication. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So now you got 3,000, and then day by day others are being added as they were being saved, is what the Scripture says. Uh, it was like, uh, when I look at it, we talk about the apostles' teaching. They were continually devoted to the doctrine, the, the teaching of the eyewitnesses to Jesus. And so they they were devoted there, and they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to one another, and they were devoted to the intimate, incredible encounter of the uh, Lord's Supper. 
And then it says, and to the prayers. And we're to the point of talking about the prayers. And so the way I look at it is they had the teaching, they had the groups, and they had an intimate encounter of worship that they had in the Lord's Supper. But I believe the prayer was the power source of all of that new new church that was built. And so the way I look at it is that last week when some of you lost power in your house, you either awakened to a loss of power or somehow during the course of the ice storm, you lost power. You were willing to live with it for a couple of hours, but some of you did three days worth, and I appreciate you doing that. Uh, but what happened is, here's your house. TV's plugged in, microwave's plugged in, refrigerator's plugged in. Everything in your house looks in order and as it should be, but there's no power. I think a church can have everything in order. It can have facilities. It can have groups. It can have worship. It can have preaching. It can have all this stuff. But if there's not prayer filling it all, we have no power. And so it's a waste. If God, if you're not here, if we're not crying out to you, and it's not your power that's transforming lives, uh, we're we're a house without power. And so we're going to talk about this thing, the prayers today, and uh, it is the power source. Paul said, the Apostle Paul said in Second Timothy chapter three, he said, in the last days. He said, people will hold to a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. In other words, they would hold to a form of religiosity, but deny the power that was in it. And I have to ask myself constantly, and we have to ask ourselves as a church, are we holding to a form of religiosity and denying the power, or is it truly the power of God that works here? So we're going to look at this. And here's the deal about prayer. Is that when we work, we get the results of our work. When we pray, God works and we get the results of his work. And I, I'm just going to be bold enough to say it. I don't think we've begun to tap into what God wants to do. And it will come about as we are a people of prayer. Why, why do people not pray? I, I, I thought about this, and, and I want you to hear some of the reasons. And, and it's not about taking the time or the, seeing the necessity of it. We all, we all would agree to those things. But why do we not pray? One is this. We've tried it, and things didn't turn out the way we thought they should. We prayed about that person who had cancer, and the cancer did not go away, and they died. And we we said, God, I, I trusted you to do this differently, and it didn't happen differently. We prayed about a job. And instead of getting that job, we got terminated from another job because they were downsizing. And so we, we tried it and it didn't work out. Or some of you guys prayed about a, a, uh, uh, that foxy lady that was sitting across from you in college or whatever and you were praying about that and, uh, uh, God had another plan, but I know most of you in this room, God, uh, you, God allowed you to outpunch your coverage 
when it came to your marriage. I, I still wonder how some of you guys got the wife you got. <laughs> so you, you better be glad he didn't answer your prayer initially. He did better. So, so we've got this, um, we, we've got this thought that God, you're Santa Claus, and if I ask it this way, then you need to do that. And so we quit. Here's another one. Um, we believe in the sovereignty of God, so God's going to do what God's going to do regardless if I pray or not. So we, we just have said, okay, God, you're going to do what you're going to do, so we decided not to pray. Thirdly, unconfessed sin in our heart. We know there is a stronghold or a sin area that we're not willing to relinquish, and it blocks our fellowship with God, thus our prayers, the Bible says, are like brass. They just hit uh, hit in the heavens. Another one is lack of forgiveness for others. When the disciples asked Jesus about praying, he taught them to model prayer, and he said, uh, pray thus, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then he says this, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he goes on to say, for if you do not forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive your trespasses. If you're not willing to deal with the forgiveness on a relational area, then it's going to hinder your prayers unto the Lord. So there is... a a, a give and take between earthly relationships and your relationship with your father. Here's one more that uh, hinders prayer or why we do not pray. It's because our home is out of order. And you're saying, where do you come from on that? Well, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So there is a, a give and take between a what happens in your home affecting your prayer life. So there are many reasons people do not pray. And but for the New Testament church in the first century, when they came, when the Holy Spirit came on them in power, it was automatic that they prayed. They, they didn't turn to anything else first. They just turned to prayer. Peter's in jail. Let's pray. The, uh, somebody's been beaten or the, or the, uh, some of the disciples have been beaten. Let's pray for more boldness. They just began to pray. It was their default to pray. And, and you know what your default is. It's like when you have your cell phone and, uh, or your computer and, uh, your phone is running slow and you're whining about it all the time. Oh, my, my phone drops calls. It's this is this and that. And we whine about it. And somebody says, have you tried rebooting it? We would rather complain than reboot and we reboot and uh, everything comes back. It goes back to its default, uh, uh, settings that you've put into your phone. And, and that's the way prayer should be. It ought to be our default instead of our, oh, ox in the ditch, I better pray to God. Something's wrong, I better pray to God. It ought to be our default. And prayer ought to be a lifestyle. 
And uh, But I wonder, what do we turn to as a church for our default? Do we turn to our elders and leadership? Do we turn to our skills and planning? Do we turn to our own experience? Do we turn to our talents and strengths, or do we run to God in prayer? What is our default as a church? So we're reading this scripture, and the Holy Spirit comes on them. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and it says the prayers. Now that's odd. Why does it just say prayer? Well, most scholars and commentators are in agreement that the prayers it is an individual element and is a corporate element. It's, it's the prayer that you do in your prayer closet, but it's also the prayer that you do with others, that they join together for the prayers that took place. So what I want to do, I want to help you, first of all, with individual prayer. This is going to be so practical today. You're going to say, uh, man, Mark, I, I, I could have thought that up on my own. But the problem is not thinking up creative ideas. The problem is doing it. And so I want to talk to you first about individual prayer and then corporate prayer just a moment. Uh, when it comes to individual prayer, I want you to hear this. Prayerfulness needs to become a lifestyle and not just something you add to your life. It ought to become a lifestyle, part of your rhythm of your life. And we've, if you've been any any kind of discipleship class or or been around church a long time, you know there's different prayer lists that you can do or different acrostics that you can do. There's the Acts acrostic, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and you could do that. There's others. There's the hand, the acrostic you can use. But I want to go over one really simple with you. It's P-R-A-Y, pray. And, and uh, I want to talk to you about this just a moment. The P is this. The P is pause and praise. Pause and praise. If you pray with me in a corporate uh, setting, oftentimes I will begin a prayer, Lord, help us to push pause right now. Because you see, just because you're sitting out there does not mean that you've actually gotten still. I, I'm a person that I may be sitting on the outside, but on the inside sometimes I'm just churning. And uh, it's... A, a good start in prayer is to push pause and to let it lead into praise because God just inhabits that and we got to be still to do that. Now, for me, uh, just from a, a strategy standpoint, how, you know, I can't expect you to do something that I don't do. So when the alarm goes off in the morning, the first thing I do, uh, I in early service, I said, I make the bed, and, the, and somebody, a couple of people said, do you let Pam get out of bed? No, the first thing I do is I just cover her up and make the bed. Uh, I, I, I make the bed. It's just a habit I've had forever. And then uh, I put the leash on the dog, and we go out for 30 minutes of walk. Now, you're thinking, well, that's for the dog. No, it's really, I've learned it's not for the dog. It's It's for me to pause and praise. Because what I do for the first 30 minutes of my day is a couple of things. One, uh, I will sing, uh, sing hymns or praise choruses or whatever uh, may be on my heart at the moment. And one thing I do is, uh, for me, I've memorized the Sermon on the Mount. It takes about 20 minutes to recite. So uh, there are days that I'll just... Uh, 
do the Sermon on the Mount as I walk. Because what happens is, is that first part of my day now has been focused and it's a time to pause and praise. Um, I'm going to confess something to you openly is the best posture for me in prayer is not sitting. Uh, I, I'm too anxious on the inside. I, I, I can get uh, too sleepy or my mind's drifting. It's better for me to be up and somebody's going to say, well, why don't you get on your knees and say, why don't you get on my knees because my knees are not, not I got new knees, but they still are tender. And uh, so it's better for me to, um, to be up. And so the walking allows me to pause life and to praise God in the midst of that. And so P is to pause and to praise. The R is to remember and repent. Uh, getting our heart attitude in line is tremendous. Remember and repent. Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? How's my attitude? You know, stinking thinking. I, I have a bad attitude sometimes. How's your relationships? Are, are you uh, uh, not You're holding somebody hostage in a relationship? You know how we do that. Uh, has the Heavenly Father asked me to do something that I've either said no or I've held him off on that because there is an, uh, uh, some kind of equation between my obedience and my prayer life that is there. It, it's uh, The way I look at remember and repent is maintenance. You know, in your car, there's two ways to take care of your car. One is to drive it and drive it and drive it until the engine light, check engine light comes on, which could be a thousand things, and you're on the side of the road with a broke down car. Or you can maintain it, check the oil, uh, gas it up, rotate the tires, do this kind of maintenance so that you're not going to break down on the side of the road. I think remembering and repentance is maintenance in your life. I don't want my life to fall apart and then I start praying. I want to have my life in line with the Father so that we're part of life together. We're doing life. And so R is remember and repent. A is ask. Very simple. Ask. Now, I heard somebody say one time, prayer is communing with God over what he desires to commune with you about. It's not coming to the God of the universe with my Christmas wish list, turning him into Santa Claus to say, oh God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. That's, that's not prayer. That's, that's, uh, he does allow us to ask according to his will, but it, prayer is not a wish list, but it's a getting in position with the Lord of the universe to know him better and to walk in that life. And so there's a strategy that I use some of it involves uh, Pam and our praying together. But let me share with you some of these, and maybe something will click that you can uh, use as a uh, template for you to pray. One is this. We do uh, Christmas card praying. Um, we get Christmas cards every Christmas, and what we do is we take those Christmas cards and we put them in a basket. The basket happened to be one we got from Ghana, when Rob and Libby Seaton were um, a mission field in Ghana, so it, it reminds us to pray for Ghana. But we put our cards in there, and we in the morning we take one card out. We see whoever it is, it's Fran's family. 
We pray for the Franz family, and then we take it and put it in the back, and the next day we get another family. So this is just a way to uh, keep that in mind as part of our rhythm of life, because we're going to eat, so we do that. Secondly, for me, a discipline is church directory playing, praying, playing, uh, praying. I pray through the church directory. Um, I have uh, Kathy, my assistant, she runs it off, she gives me a copy, and I, I pray through it. And I pray for you, I pray for your kids, I just pray, uh, I, I think it's important that we pray for one another. And you are closest uh, blood family in many ways, so I pray for you by name. And so you're thinking, well, Mark, I don't have access to the directory. Well, you have a Bible fellowship group or you have a small group or you have some kind of group that you can pray for uh, by name on a regular basis. Um, here's a third one that I use. It's, uh, I call it my salvation list. You know, not everybody knows Jesus. Did I shock you? Um, and you may have seen these little brown cards because I've given them to you before. It's got scripture uh, on there. But then it's got three lines. And on those three lines, I put um, people in my sphere of influence that do not know Christ. In other words, I'm not praying for uh, somebody uh, out there that I don't know. I'm praying for somebody I know in particular, and I write their names, and I keep it in my Bible, uh, my, my daily reading Bible. This is my study Bible, but I've got my daily reading Bible. And it's right there, and I pray for those three people. And you're saying, why do you just do three? Because I want to be specific. God, soften their heart. Bring them to you. And the, and the list can get too long. So I pray for those three people on my salvation list. And then uh, Pam and I pray together. And uh, husbands and wives, you ought to pray together. It's, it's very vital. It will strengthen your marriage to do that. And we have a weekly rhythm of praying that we do. Um, Sunday, the first day of the week, today. Tonight, uh, what we will pray for specifically, we pray for our family on Sunday night. We pray by name for all of our family, uh, both the uh, uh, extended family and the more intimate family. We pray by name for them, and that's what we do. On, um, on Monday, we pray for ministries. Uh, so tomorrow we pray for ministries. We pray uh, for what may be coming up ministry-wise. We pray uh, like Disciple Now or, or uh, Bible Fellowships or Ladies' Ministry or Men's Ministry. We pray specifically for ministries. On Tuesday, we pray for our neighbors by name. By name. So we don't just say, hey, Lord, would you bless Butler Way? No, we pray for them by name. And so we... Uh, the first thing is what? We've got to get to know our neighbors, right? So we know them by name, and we pray. We go through the street, and we pray for them by name. Uh, Wednesday, we pray for world missions. Grateful for our missions team and Jim Rowan right here because we have had many missionaries come out of right where you're sitting, and uh, we know people all over the world, so we pray for them specifically by name and it's really cool when communicate with these uh, missionaries to they show up back at the church and say, man, I want you to know every Wednesday night we pray for you by name. And I'm not lying. 
We're praying for them by name. So that's Wednesday. Thursday is just Thanksgiving. We don't ask God for anything. We just, we just come with Thanksgiving. Friday, we pray for our friends. Those uh, closest to us as friends, our home group, uh, other friends that, that are, are very intimate in our lives, we pray for them specifically on Friday. And on Saturday night, we pray for God to just come and move on Sunday morning. We pray an anointing over our worship team, an anointing over our, all of our Bible fellowship teachers. For God, fill these chairs. Move in, in your spirit. So that's what we pray for on Saturday night. So you see, it's just kind of a rhythm. We don't pray around the world every day. It's just part of our rhythm. And so prayer, when it becomes part of your rhythm, you have a rhythm. So you allow prayer to uh, be a part of that. One other area of individual prayer that I want to lay on you is this one. When somebody asks you to pray for them, just pray then. Don't, don't, I'm going to put that in my prayer list. And you never get to it. Let's just be honest. We don't get to it. Let, and, and I tell you, it bugs me in our world. You know, uh, Tiger Woods, I hate that he had the accident the other day. That's, that's terrible. And, uh, but I, I was watching sports shows and newscasters. And they say, our thoughts and prayers are with Tiger Wood. And I'm thinking, really? Do you really think you're praying for Tiger Wood? Or is that just something you're saying? Our thoughts and prayers are with that individual. When somebody asks you to pray, just say, hey, do you mind just stopping right now and let me pray? I've done that many times on the phone. Somebody will say, hey, we need you to pray about this. Well, let's just stop right now. Let's just pray. And, and that's part of individual prayer. Uh, that I would encourage you. So P is pause and praise. R is remember and repent. A is ask. And Y is yield. Yield yourself to the Lord. Lord, take my hands, take my eyes, take my mouth. I want to speak your truth. Take my mind. I need it to be clean so that I can uh, serve you. Take all of me. And Lord, during this day, let's do the day together. So that's just a simple thing about individual prayer. Let me speak just momentarily on corporate prayer. Corporate prayer means to pray with others. You know, Matthew 18 tells us that where two or three are gathered in my name, that there I am in their midst. So there's a power to praying in groups. And some people will say, yeah, but Jesus said, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. Well, listen, it says the prayers... And that means that they were praying together. So there's something about praying together. Some people say, well, Mark, I'm too shy to pray out loud. Please understand. I understand timidity. And I understand being an introvert. But realize you're not praying to the other people in your group. You're praying unto the Lord. Okay? So here's some thoughts on corporate prayer. Uh, number one, and this is... What I have in my life, I think it's strength. I would ask for it in your life. Pick three people. Men pick, pick men. Ladies pick ladies. Pick three people that you can ask to pray for you by name and your family on a daily basis. I have three men. I've asked them to pray for me and my family daily. Uh, and it's not my staff. Uh, we pray as a staff but it's not the staff, it's other men that I have pray. Uh, here's another group, small group, your Bible fellowship, 
whatever group, you men's group, ladies' group, you pray together. Don't let it be, we're just going to start in prayer, end in prayer. Let it be a part of who you are. Our staff prayer time is, is uh, just a time for the first hour that we are in prayer for you, for uh, God to move. Here's another one. Prayer walks. Uh, get some people together. Prayer walk your neighborhood. Prayer walk your schools, hospitals, the church campus. Just pray and uh, uh, just get with people and pray. This is va- uh, invaluable to corporate prayer. And um, uh, I-, I could talk more on that, but I'm going to just leave it at that right now. You don't be shy about praying with other people. Here's three thoughts I'm going to leave you with. And these will be on the screen. I'm just going to go through them quickly, and you can write them down. But remember this. When the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of you, and is actually reigning in you, He will lead you to prayer automatically. So, number one is this. Prayerfulness arises from a desire to be with God. It just comes out of a heart that wants to be with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Prayer arises out of that desire to be with God. Secondly, prayerfulness arises from a position of total dependence. Let's be honest. As a nation, we don't pray because we don't see the need to pray. We're not desperate. We think we're, we can do it all ourselves. And, and um, I've seen many times that people, when things are going great, they're not praying. But when things get bad, they pray. Uh, what, what I'm saying is this. Don't let your heart get hard by affluence. Let it be broken and soft before God and you're dependent on Him. And so... Prayerfulness arises from a position of total dependence. And then thirdly is this. Prayerfulness involves a heart that trusts God. You see, some of you have broken trusters. You had a dad who didn't live up to thought. You had a mom that was a particular way. You had a previous spouse that really hurt you. And your trusters have been broke. I just pray God would use His Holy Spirit to bring you into a trust relationship with God. And prayerfulness involves a heart that trusts God. Here's a thought that I I want you to hear. When we don't pray, either we don't truly have our trust in God, or there is something blocking the Spirit's flow in our lives. When we don't pray, either we don't trust God, we trust ourselves, or the Spirit is blocked in our lives, which sometimes happens. And we've got to confess and come before the Lord. I want to share with you a true life situation. And then I, I want us to, to ask God, God, how do we need to pray? Charles Finney was in the early 1800s in upstate New York and all in the New England area. And he was an attorney that it got saved, and out of his transformation with God, he became an evangelist, a speaker. And he would travel around and speak, and, and you can read his books and works today, his sermons, 
And God used him in incredible ways for revivals all in the New England area. And Charles Finney, though, would say the only reason that he had any success as an evangelist, and Charles Finney, if you've not heard of him, the next guy I'm going to say, you have no clue who he is. His name was Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash was a, a pastor but he never wrote a book. There's no sermons uh, transcripted that he preached. He actually got uh, removed from a couple of churches, uh, just, you know, how things happen. And uh, there's no church that he pastored that still exists today. How about that one? And uh, Daniel Nash, though, Charles Finney and Nash built a relationship. And Daniel Nash, his whole calling was to go a few days before Finney would go to anywhere to preach, and he would lock himself in a way, and he would ask others to join him, and he would pray, beginning, that God just soften the hearts of these people, come with your Holy Spirit, just bring salvation, bring conviction. And he would pray, and he would pray those previous days, and he would pray through the entire um, uh, crusade, however long it may be, and then he would go to the next town and begin praying again. And Charles Finney, after Daniel Nash died, Charles Finney lasted about three to four months preaching an evangelist. And he said, I'm going to resign. I can't do this anymore. The power that was there is no longer there because Daniel Nash is no longer there. And I think about the, the power of that praying. And uh, you do know, I'm, I don't want to shock you with things I say, but you do know that even Billy Graham at his height, when he was preaching, those people would walk those aisles. Many of them, a year, they couldn't find them. And today it's even less. They say it's maybe 10 to 20% of people that walk aisles that a year from now will be continuing to walk with the Lord. Charles Finney, 80% plus of the people were still walking with the Lord as they followed up with him in the next year. And Finney would say it was because of the prayers that were being lifted up. I, I hear that and I think, oh God, do I have a tendency to run to my own creativity or to commentaries or to other preachers instead of just bombarding the gates of heaven with prayer that God, you would move? I want to ask Brett and the team to come up, and I want to share one last thought with you. I, I, you know, there are some of you that could teach me mountains about prayer. I, I understand that. I feel like a kindergarten most of the time, and I'm, I'm sharing with you the most intimate stuff of my walk with the Lord, and, and uh, uh, yet I look at the fruit so often and thinking, God, there should be more. But I, I share this with you. I share a, a little story up front is that uh, there was a pastor who used to stand at the door as people would leave, and this man would come up every Sunday to him and say, you know, pastor, you're a model pastor. You're a model pastor. And he would 
kind of puff up, you know, and think, man, I'm a model pastor. I'm a model pastor. Every week he'd come and say, you're a model pastor. And uh, the pastor decided to look up what it meant a model really was. And he looked up model, and it said a small replica of the real thing. And, uh, you know, if we are not a church that, beginning with me, is not modeling this, I mean, not a small replica, but I mean, is not modeling it, how can I ever expect us to pray? And uh, my thought is this. If we are not a praying church, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. If we are not plugged into the power of God, it's not your fault. It's my fault. It's the leadership's fault because we have not showed it as the major uh, power source of who we are. And, you know, we... We pray once a month with churches all over Austin for the unceasing prayer movement. And we pray, pray the rock. But I, I sometimes think we send that email out or we have people sign up to do that. And by the time Monday rolls around, they're, oh, I should have. We remember it late. And I, I'm just, I just ask you to forgive me. And uh, that we, God, we want to seek your heart. We want to cry out to you. So I want to ask you to do something right now. If you will just stand with me. And uh, I want you just to get in a posture of prayer. Now, for some of you, you're saying, Mark, I just stood up. I need to sit down. Well, sit down. Uh, It's up to you. Maybe you want to come to this altar and kneel. Some of you are. I love the altar, man. Uh, I love the altar. Remember, prayer is not you, you coming to God with a wish list. Prayer is you communing with the Father about what He wants to commune with you about. So if you close your eyes, close your eyes. Palms up, palms up. I don't know. I don't know what's your posture but I want you just to come before the Father in an attitude of prayer right now let him know your heart let him know your joys and struggles your needs before you even ask is what the scripture says but then Jesus went on to say he said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you seek him in righteousness and Brett and the team are going to just kind of sing this song over us but it's a song that's a prayer so you can just join them in Sing this prayer unto the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer.